Hi everyone and welcome to the Songs Garage podcast. And it's a Valentine's special today because we're talking to a brilliant guy called Shahar Al-Ghazi. He owns one of the largest Fast and Furious replica collections in the world. So today we're going to be talking to him about his passion for cars, his passion for the films, and how that changed his life. And uh, we're really hoping you enjoy it. So enjoy. What's up, Shahar? Hey. Hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? Pretty yeah, good. Bad. Where yeah, are you? Nice to meet you finally. Yeah, it's I'm, nice I'm, to meet you too. What a backdrop that is. Wow. <laughs> That's one hell of a backdrop. I love it. Where are you? Yeah. Where are you? I'm home on my front porch. Where is that? LA. <laughs> I like Los it. Angeles. Los Angeles. Look at that background, Las, Alex. It's Las, sunny. I know. Short sunny sleep. California. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's snowing here. Is I woke it? up oh, to yeah? snow. Yeah, I can't move anywhere. Not that I was going anywhere anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, it looks so hot. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm where, jealous, guys. Where are you at? So, uh, I'm, I'm in England, uh, just below Birmingham, which is uh, about, about two hours north of London. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. so it's called, it's called Reddit. Yeah, it's snowing, yeah. And I live on I live on a hill, and it's it's the most difficult road to get out of. <laughs> if when it's oh, snow, wow. you just slip back down it. Yeah, and I've got a car that I can't currently move on my driveway. And everyone <laughs> who comes around to the house, like you know, people like you know, plumbers and electricians and families, all like, oh, you should um, you should move that car when it starts to get frosty. Because I've seen cars like <laughs> slip down driveways, and I'm like, it doesn't start. <laughs> I can't oh, do anything no. about it. <laughs> if it's gonna <laughs> drop, it's gonna drop. <laughs> Oh, no. I remember I used to, like a decade ago, I used to live in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and it was snowing over there, and I hated it. I hated it. I remember I would go every morning. I would want to go to work. I would go into my car, and my car is all snow, so you don't, you don't even recognize your car because you don't remember where you parked. Yeah. And then you start, <laughs> you start, shoveling, you start shoveling the snow out, and, and then you realize, oh, it's not my car. Shoot. <laughs> It's just a public service. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, congrats. I just shoveled your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was mine. <laughs> Wait, how long did you live in Baltimore, Shar? I lived in Baltimore in 2008 uh, for eight months. Eight months? Eight months, yeah. So... I don't think Alex knows your story. Shahar was actually going to come to London to meet uh, to meet you. He was going to come to the whole trip that I, I planned. Oh, like nice, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, when that happens again, he'll you'll actually get to meet him in person. But yeah, that'd be good. You know, I, I think for me, Shahar's story is so fascinating of how he landed in LA, right, and how he has that car in the back, the background right now. Um, and Shahar, just kind of tell us, like. You know where you're from, you know why you left, you know, and why you're here. Just give us your story for all the folks that don't know who Shahar is. Um, so, yeah, go so, ahead, bro. Uh, for sure. Uh, my name is uh, Shahar Al Ghazi. Uh, Hebrew is Shahar Al Ghazi. I'm from or, originally. I'm from Israel. I lived in Israel for the past uh, 34 years. Before I moved here, I moved here two years ago. Um, had great life in Israel, beautiful country. Uh, my, I had computer stores in Tel Aviv. Uh, I had some, some really nice cars. The, the main thing is with Israel is that the, the car scene is great. It's cool, but there, it's, there's so much restrictions over there that you are not allowed to modify your car in Israel. And that just uh, killed me in Israel as a, as a huge car guy. As a, you know, car fanatic, I, I used to come to the U.S. maybe twice a year for uh, Woodward Green Cruise uh, in, uh, in Detroit and the SEMA show in Vegas every year. And my, my mind was just blown away, you know, by what you can accomplish in the U.S. and how you can enjoy your car and modify and everything. And uh, uh, living in Israel, when it's a country, when modifying cars are... Uh, illegal and not allowed. I mean, anything you want to do, you gotta, gotta, gotta be low key. You know, you can't go extravagant. I mean, you wouldn't be able to drive something like that in Israel. Um, 
you would get pulled over in a second because the front bumper is too low and can cut someone's leg off and the rear wing would block your rear view mirror so you would get in an accident because you can't see who's behind you and the wheels are bigger than original and the tires are too wide and all that kind of bs which i i couldn't really understand um and the main thing for me was for as long as i can remember myself i i always dreamed of um, a first-gen Dodge Viper, um, and I knew it would be probably impossible for me to have that car in Israel. One, um, we can only import cars to Israel that would be two years or 30 years old. So either way, I would have to wait until 2022 or 2024 for my specific Viper. Um, and on top of that, add another... 110% tax and, and, and shipping costs and all that and all the kind of regulations and I, I wouldn't, I didn't see it happening. So I woke up one day um, after I came back from SEMA, <laughs> I, we came back to Israel and I told my wife, listen, we got to move. We got to move to LA. And she's like, we're going to move from Israel to another country just because you want to have a Viper? <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're going to move for a better life and for me to have my Viper. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we worked on that uh, in the background for, I believe it was like almost three years the right way. Uh, and we, we just moved. And uh, the day I knew that I have a flight ticket, the day I knew the date that I have my flight ticket, I started talking to people about um, uh, that was selling their Vipers. I contacted the guy. I told him, listen, I'm going to be in LA in that specific date. I'm coming to take the car. So we had like a 16-hour flight, seven suitcases, me, my wife, the little dog with us. Landing in LA, all the paperwork for hours and all that. My buddy came to pick us up. And he hosted us uh, at his house. And we got to his house, unloaded all the suitcases, had breakfast. And then I'm like, hey, Rod, would you mind <laughs> driving me? It's uh, two hours away. I want to go pick up a Viper. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I want to pick up a Viper. <laughs> we got in the car. We drove for like two hours. My wife was like, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> 16 hours flight. And another three hours, we got to that Viper. I was, it was the first time in my, in my life I saw that car. First time in my life I'd sat in one. Uh, first time in my life driving it. And I'm driving back. It was a two-hour drive. Um, the car has no windows, no roof, no nothing. <laughs> and I'm driving in, I don't know, it was almost 10 p.m. at the time. I just bought the car. I'm super scared. I don't know what's going on. And I'm like that. <laughs> the whole the whole way back and it's just been amazing ever since um after i got the car i was like okay um uh, i'm gonna stop working i need a daily driver and i would i didn't want to drive the viper because it was so precious to me so i was like i need to get a daily driver and i want to do something that i couldn't do in israel so i decided to build the green eclipse from the first movie and I just start building it and I start daily driving that thing for maybe a, the first year I was here. So, yeah. <laughs> that's that's and, crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's, the, sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying it, it was, it's, it's just, it's just an amazing experience ever since. And, and I just feel blessed to be here, to be where I'm at, to be in the US, to be among great car guys uh, like you guys and all that. And it's, it's, I just feel wonderful. I'm just thankful for everything I have, you know? It makes you for appreciate, it makes you appreciate the access that we have in the States that you could basically go and touch any car, go build something and you don't go to jail for it. Crazy, you know? And then people actually flee their homeland to go be able to modify a car. It's crazy, man. He's not a political refugee. He was he's not like a wanted man. You know, there's no like he's not here on a political asylum, right? It's like he's here because he wants he, he's not what would he be called? It would, he would be labeled auto 
auto asylum is what he is. He's a <laughs> he's an auto asylum, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's literally like that. I, I remember nights in Israel when we had like meets in Tel Aviv, in, in like sketchy places, in, you know, gas stations, and then the police came up and start blocking all the exits and we're knocking off uh, uh, the fence in the back of a gas station and everybody had to jump with their cars like a feet uh, in order to get out. Everybody's breaking the front and rear bumpers just to get out so the police wouldn't, you know, get them and start impounding the, their cars and start looking for modified parts and all that. I mean, it's 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 just crazy. It's, a, it's, it's just almost crazy. like you a cannot... natural backdrop for Fast and Furious. Yeah, I was just thinking yeah. that. Yeah, you lived it. <laughs> right? Because the restriction is the law. The, the law is after you because it's against the law to modify your cars, right? But this leads me to a good question. You know, in California, sure. because of the COVID stuff, there's a lot of issues with street racing, illegal street racing. And look, I get the idea, especially, you know, like, you know, coming from me, it makes no sense to tell people not to go fast, right? And, and enjoy their cars. But at the same time, I think we have the ability to do it responsibly in America, at least, especially California. We have racetracks and everything. So the question for you, Shahar, is that if a country like Israel had loosened up their restrictions, do you think there would be less? you know, illegal activity and, you know, street racing and all of that in, in Israel? Or would that just already, that would always exist because you got knuckleheads and people want to be do stupid things? I mean, everywhere in the world, you, you, you would always have that knucklehead that ruined it for everybody and wouldn't follow anything, whatever, what you're going to give him. That's, that's a given. Um, but I think, yeah, I think if Israel would see the benefit of opening up uh, aftermarket uh parts, you know, um, uh, to be allowed and, and, and modifying cars and, and, all, and all that, I think they would just benefit it because they tax everything either way. So imagine a huge aftermarket parts coming in from all over the world and they tax the parts. I don't mind. I mean, if you ask me, I would say, do just tax the parts and keep your uh, yearly, you know, smog test and all that, and, and just just let us, let us enjoy the car. I mean, I get it if you don't want to let people um, modify a car to be a thousand horsepower with stock brakes, but I mean, most people would do what? Get bigger brakes, get coilovers, get bigger tires. It, it's not something that would be, you know, it's not something that's going to ruin the car. It's just going to improve the car. Um, so I, I don't really get it. And I think if Israel would, would be open to open up that uh, aftermarket parts market, that, that will be a huge benefit to, to the country with, with that income they're going to tax on it and the people that just love doing it. I mean, I don't see, I mean, I drive these cars every day. I don't think you can get anything more reliable than that. I mean, All right. you go... And you talked about street racing and all that. Um, for me, living in, in, in California, living in the U.S. in general, it, for me, I, I look at it in a different perspective because you have like five tracks in, 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 a, in a matter of half an hour or two hours away. So, I mean, why, why, why street race? For me, I came from a country, it wasn't even a, poss a possibility. When I left uh, three years ago, they just started uh, uh, building two small tracks. But over here in LA, I have Willow Springs, I have Button Willow, I have Chikwala. Uh, if I wanna go drag racing, I have Irwindale, I have Pomona, the Auto, the Auto Club Speedway. I have within uh, an hour of a radius, I have like five or six tracks. You go, you pay, 25 or 45 dollars to test tune your car you can go on track eight mile on track from 4 p.m to 10 p.m it's beautiful so i i see no sense in in going ra street racing i'm i'm not i'm i'm pretty much uh against it now that i'm here because it's so easy to go on track and it's so fun and there's nobody that can surprise you or nobody will jump in your lane nobody would come in front of you you have marshals you have uh you know ambulance you have everything there's no sense. There's no sense on doing it. Uh, I want to go fast, and we have places to go fast. So 
crazy thing is he has a FD from, you know, the fast movie, the replica Dom's car. Right. And he tracks it. He actually takes it to the track. I tracked all of them. All of my cars. was That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, Shahar, somebody pulls up to you, you're driving that Eclipse or your FD, they start revving their engine, right? (laughs) Uh, You see, you see the green light turn to yellow on your, on, on your left, right? At the intersection. And he's revving, he's revving, he rolls down the window and he goes, what is that Fast and Furious JDM crap? He's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, the speed limit is up to 35. It doesn't say how fast you can go up to 35. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Yes. <laughs> nice. Yes. You've been asked that before, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that would be the, the, the fastest 35 mile per hour I ever drove. So. <laughs> so, yeah. what's the uh, what's the rx7 like because you hear from a lot of people on the internet who don't necessarily own one that they're unreliable and that they go through you know apex seals and whatever but from an owner what's it actually like to drive reliability fuel consumption what's it you know oh it's like everybody's saying it's unreliable and the <laughs> is shit. okay <laughs> so it is true all right yeah <laughs> all you hear is true <laughs> Uh, the, the, the RX-7, the Rory community is probably going to kill me. But listen, I've, you ask any RX-7 uh, owner the basic question of how many times did have you rebuilt your engine? <laughs> and you can tell me it's a reliable car. Listen, you, you drive that car. Uh, it's, a, it's a 25-year-old car. That rotary was maybe great back then. And it, it's still great and it's still special mm-hmm. and it still does uh, everything you want it to do. Um, but yeah, you got to pre-mix, you got to take care of it. You got to tune it every once in a while. Um, the wiring harness on that car is crap. I mean, everything, it's, 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 it's not an easy car to maintain. If you're out there looking to buy an FD, you got to tell yourself it's, it's not going to be your daily driver when you just uh, go into your car, turn key, and, uh, and, you just, uh, and you just go and do the regular oil, oil changes and regular ma- maintenance on it. It's, it's got to be constantly uh, maintained. I'll show you the car. Ugh, yeah, it. yeah, let's see. Uh, I have a way to flip the camera around. Yeah, sure. Uh, are we still with good connection? Can you see the car? Yeah, all good. So that's Damn. the that's the FD. Very wise. Most of my steering wheels are stored in the house. Anti theft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nose bottle in the passenger seat. I like it. <laughs> This one or this one? Oh, no, it's, <laughs> is that a cushion on the seat? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, on the seat, that's cushion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, you've got the, the other... Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So how close are these to the real cars? Because I, I know that you're, you're quite close with Craig Lieberman. Are these like... Oh, the, you know, the, the, the purple one and the RX-7 are pretty much on point. I mean, wow. everything on it, on the cars are on point. Yeah, even the, uh, the green one, the green one is really hard to do. Uh, yeah. There's, there's some more parts and I still need to, to source mm-hmm. for it, but it's pretty much on point. Just, I just got the new Ooh. wheels this week. They're like brand new. Um, I still missing the roof scoop. I'm still mm-hmm. missing like the, the uh, hood pins. When I have the cars out, everybody's pulling yeah. over to take photos to enjoy hey, the sure car. how did you duplicate the graphics on that so the original company that did the graphics on the movie cars called modern image um that's when you see the on the hood of the car it says mi oh, oh yeah sure modern image so they are the ones that did the original graphics on all the cars uh, from Fast 1, Fast 2, and I believe Fast 3 also, Tokyo Drift. Um, and they're still around. They're in San Diego. And the owner, uh, there were two owners. They split. The owner of Mara Image in San Diego actually 
did the decals on the RX-7 himself. Damn. Wow. So, yeah. So that was, that was beautiful. It's, it's the exact same guy that worked on the Hero 1 car for the movie. It's the exact same guy, same decal, same everything. That's pretty cool. So, That's pretty so cool. You have, you have access to those people. See, California is mm. like the it's the mecca of everything car related, man. Yeah, it's supposed it to be. That's the amazing yeah. part with these cars. I mean, you, I would, I wouldn't expect in in the world that I would drive down to San Diego to do the decals on the RX seven, um, you know, and and having the owner that actually did the cars for the movie it's like the same guy that laid those decals on, on the cars for the movie he's suddenly working on my car and it's an amazing guy and he shared some stories and he he worked on oh sorry he worked on the car himself can you still see me no yeah oh, yeah. yeah we can see you now sorry about that no. so it's it's just even amazing experience you think you're gonna go San Diego and spend like a few hours just to put some decals on and then you meet the owner and then you talk about Fast One and his involvement with doing the decals and Fast Two, flying to Miami, going on an airplane just to pick up a roll of vinyl and coming back. It's, it's just amazing stories. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't dream in my life in Israel I would I would get to to experience something like that ever. Mm. So how did you go about finding all all the parts? Like, did you did you have to do a lot of research, or did you just kind of talk to people around LA? Because you know, you know, people were involved with the films around LA. So the parts are really hard to find. You gotta understand that all the parts on these cars are mainly discontinued parts from the early two thousands mm. or late nineties. Um, there's nothing new that you can purchase it's it's all gotta be used it's all gotta be rebuilt it's all gotta be you know um most of the parts are just used parts that i that i had to go online uh i've been blessed uh and lucky enough to meet some some really cool friends um like you said craig lieberman and my buddy kevin uh that helped me source a lot of parts um you know, I'm, I'm new over here. I don't know where to look. I don't know what the keyword most of the time. I just I just punch in Fast and Furious parts or <laughs> Access 7 wheels, you know, APR performance wing. It's, a, it's, it's really hard to find, you know, fully attic shift knob. I had I had parts coming in from all over the world. I had I had a steering wheel coming in from Japan for the RX-7. I had a steering wheel come from Italy. Uh, for the Purple Eclipse. I had a ship now coming in from France. Um, I had pedal covers coming in for the Eclipse from Belgium. I had, um, what was it? I had, I, had, I had a lot of parts coming in from all over the world. Uh, parts from Germany. Amazing people around the world that just want to contribute and, and help you build those cars. That's, that's the amazing part of this journey. It's, it's, it's for me it really is a journey you know you're, you're building the car and it's like the whole the whole asset around it you know with sourcing the parts going to pick up parts um i was looking for the seats for the green eclipse it's sparco torino 2 uh black and gray seats discontinued no matter how much money you're going to offer sparco they they wouldn't make it anymore so I'm sitting one day online and I'm like, suddenly I see those seats in Sacramento and I'm calling the guy and he wants only 600 bucks for them, which is almost nothing, you know? Any other replica builders that would have those seats uh, in his possession would probably ask like 2000 or $3,000 for them. So I'm like, hey, I want to get the seats. It's done. I can send you a deposit right now or if you want. I'm just from L.A., um, is there anything you can do if I can come by from LA? And he's like, shoot, if you're coming from LA, I'll give it to you for 400. I just need to get rid of them by Friday. And I'm like, I'm sitting in bed with my, with my iPhone, you know, texting with this guy. And I'm like, hey, babe, you want to do the weekend in San Francisco? <laughs> I just got to make a quick stop in Sacramento before. <laughs> yeah, wrap it up in holiday. It always works. <laughs> <laughs> so 
we drove we drove we drove my Prius uh, all the way to Sacramento, like nine hours to get those seats. Um, I got the seats from the guy, and then me and my wife went to uh, for a weekend in uh, in San Francisco. It's it's each each part on this car is is just a beautiful memory. Like it's just awesome, you know. It's it's so much fun, you know. It's it's so much fun. It's not like if I would have, to, if I would go online and just order seats, I mean, it's cool and all. You're modifying your car. You're having your own style in it. It's I, I'm all for that. Um, but the the journey with those Fast and Furious cars, with hunting down parts from the late '90s, that's every part has its own story. It's like blood, sweat, and tears going into each car. Um, so yeah. Uh, I love that. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to get across with Sung's Garage is that it's not necessarily the the output. It's not the car that you get at the end. It's it's the journey that you go on, and it's the people you meet, and the, the what you learn, and and the experiences. How did that? How did that story start for you? Like, what what started your love for the Fast and Furious? What made you want to do these cars? <clears throat> I mean, obviously, uh, growing growing up in Israel um, as a kid in the '90s, watching the first uh, um, the first the first movie that came out in Israel, where I don't know, I was in my teens. Um, you know, seeing something that's really new to me. With I mean, I we 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 had internet by back then, but it's not like it wasn't the same. And you see you see the car shows around you, you see the car meets around you. It's not that extreme, you know, when you see when you see like the green clips from <laughs> Fast One, you wouldn't see cars driving like that in Israel. You would see nice, clean cars, you know, like slightly modded uh, exterior wise, you know, uh, mainly clean exterior wise cars, nice wheels, great fitment, you know, some coilovers, but you wouldn't see something that extravagant. Um, so, yeah, so remembering back then seeing a car scene that's so crazy the la car scene just i think ever since then i I was i was in love with fast and furious cars i i always wanted to do the rx7 it was such such a unicorn um you know and Mm -hmm. even even today you have the i have the veil side uh body kit on the rx7 i've I've seen so many rx7 so many fds and i've never seen another one with a veil side body kit on it, which, really? which makes the car so different and unique for me. And that's, that's really what, what I want to do. I want to be different, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did, uh, how did you guys meet then? Um, well, we were doing a, um, we are looking for a way to, I guess, say thank you to the fandom of the fast world, right? And the low hanging fruit was to go find these replica builders and find people and ask them why. And really, cause you know, it's almost like Trekkies and you know, when you go to Comic-Con, you got the cosplay people. And you know, it's, it's, it's for me sometimes, you know, it's, it's strange because there's an obsession and a fervor over these cars that is part of our legacy, but, you know, we never get to meet them and we don't really understand the why behind, you know, that, I guess, like passion, right? And mm. so I wanted to kind of explore that. And, and I felt like if someone was going to spend that type of money and that type of time in building a car, there must be a real reason why. So, you know, Shahar was one of the, the, the people we met you know, in the replica building world. And his story just really, you know, Mm. triggered something. I was like, wow, this is a great story. Not just because of the fast cars, but because of a a man's, you know, journey to follow his passion, right? And it happens to be cars and that's where our connective tissue is. And I feel like there's something to be shared here and something to learn from this person, you know? And every time I hang out with Shahar, you know, you learn, you, you peel that onion and you understand why, why a person devotes so much to something. And the question to you, Shahar, is like, yeah, the Fast has cool cars and all of that and things that, you know, you know are, are, are fast and furious, if you will. But then, like, why? Why is it that people still are, you know, 
fans of this franchise, there's something beyond just the action and stuff, right? And the cool things. Like, what is it that I think globally people you know, respond to? You know, I want to ask you that question. Well, I think it's mainly the cars. I mean, yeah, obviously um, a documentary of a car movie would not uh, get as income uh, uh, over a weekend in the box than an action uh, car movie. But if you look at the franchise, it's all around cars. Even, even though from, it's clearly that you can see that from the first movie, up until the, the eight and nine and they're going to space and whatever, um, it, it become more of an action uh, movie than, than uh, a car movie. Um, but still, there's no other movie out there or franchise you can go and watch that would have so many uh, extremely awesome cars around it. I mean, the first movie, uh, Rob Cohen with the, the underground uh, scene of L.A., it was mainly about the cars and the cars were the stars. Um, and the cast was new and, and it wasn't, wasn't anybody, you know, like a, a huge uh, main actors. Um, but the fact that you have that group of people that combines everybody, you know, if it's uh, white people, black people, Latinos, Asians, whatever, you have a nice group of people that combine everybody, that everybody can relate to someone. And you have the cars around that you see cool cars. Each one of the movies, you would see a bunch of cars uh, across the movie that are great. I think that that's what brings everybody back. Plus, for me, I'm, I'm in my uh, I'm in my 30s. Um, I grew up on these movies, you know, older people uh, maybe grew up on Bullet and on, uh, you know, the, the, the main uh, OG movies. We, we mainly grew, our generation mainly grew up on Fast and Furious. So it keeps bringing you back. I mean, if there's a new Fast movie, I got to watch it. It's not, it's not even a question, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> do you think that obviously Fast and Furious has had a massive impact on on your car taste? Do you think it's influenced your life in any other way? Because there's a lot of family themes going on. Do you think you're a different person because of how important those films have been in your life? I think cars in in general um, have affected my life in a way. Um, if I'm a different person, maybe I'm a better person because of cars and it's, it's, there's a different angle to it because when I started to build my first car, um, I had to manage a project. I had to understand what's the budget I need to put into it. Uh, what's the hours I'm going to put into it, uh, keeping, uh, keeping, you know, an Excel sheet of what I bought, how much I bought it for. If I took something off the car, if it's an OEM part, did I sell it? How much I invested in the car? It, it, it made me, my mind was kind of different because as a kid, I got to manage a project, a personal project that I love. And it, it kind of teached me uh, how to manage a project, you know, money in, money out. What did I bought? What did I sold? What mistakes have I done? How many parts I bought? uh like as wrong parts how many times did i got it wrong until i got the i got it right um and even today with those cars i think i think every replica builder you're gonna ask all of them have a version one version two version three of the car um because the parts are so hard to find it you you, you just can't find it um the other aspect of it is i'm here today because of cars so how, how crazy is that? I mean, I was, I was so obsessed with getting a Viper that I, in my journey of getting my Viper, I've upgraded my life. I've, I've moved from Israel. I had, don't get me wrong, I had great life in Israel. I have great friends in Israel. The, the country is amazing. The people are amazing. I had good job. Um, but in some way, I feel like I've upgraded me and my wife uh, by coming here and moving to the U.S. and, and getting more um, 
And yeah, and even me and my wife and our relationship with, with us, you know, in Israel, we have a lot of friends and family and everything. And over here, we're pretty much alone. We don't have any, any family over here. My mom is in Arizona. I get to see her every once in a while. Um, I have some new friends over here, but the relationship has gone better uh, because we're closer to each other. So I, I think in some way, it's, it's all because of cars. So I have nothing but to be thankful with my obsession about cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a healthy obsession. You know, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. I think obsession is probably the wrong word. It's a true passion and it's infectious. You know, it's like when you hang out with Shahar, you know, he always ends a conversation with have a blessed day, you know, and there's humility. He never comes empty handed. He's always trying to give people things, you know, and, and to me, you, go, you look at that recipe and you see the byproduct. You see a person who's happy in the station in his life and he sees, you know, what's around them. And every day it's like sunshine for him because he's doing what he wants and he's living by his own rules, but they're rules with, that I think stem from not an obsession. Because obsession, I think people they're sacrificing. Passion, yeah. Right. It's mm-hmm. a passion because he'll never skip dinner on Friday night because he has a, you know, they have Shabbat on Fridays, right? And he's always there. And then obsession is he'll he'll skip that, you know. Yeah. And right. being around Shabbat, right. I, I learned that. I learned the difference between obsession and passion. And it's great to have passion. And, you know, so... Yeah. You know, I think this podcast, like I even wrote it down. It's like, you know, I try to come out with like, what's the lesson? What did I get out of this conversation? And and I wrote it down and it's like, you know, if you follow your passion and you stay humble, um, you know, you will have a blessed day, you know, every day. That's kind of it. Yeah. And in between it, of course, there are challenges and it's hard and, you know, it's scary. But look, you know, it's like, I think Shahar is the testament of the American dream, whatever that is, that definition is. But to my, my definition is a place of opportunity and independence and trying to be different, right? And that's the beauty of being, you know, where, you know, beauty of living where we live, Shahar, is that, you know, being independent and different is supported, man. You know, it's like, we all want to be, you know, different. Maybe we want to be better, but, you know, we want to, we want to, I think, I think once we get that ego and competition out of the way, you know, um, you know, that individualism and that, that, that willingness to, to stand out, you know, can be a yeah. really positive thing. So thank you, Jar, for sharing that. Thank, and sharing your thank you, man. Thank you for, for everything you've done for me, man. I mean, the meeting you and, and hanging out and, you know everything around it uh, i got to meet some great people because of you also uh i mean everybody around you is, is an, just an amazing per- people and uh, yeah i mean i'm just thankful to be here man <laughs> awesome awesome all right all righty that was a good good huggy huggy moment so i think <laughs> i feel oh, like i need to like lift weights yeah. or something i don't know what's yeah, going yeah. on <laughs> yeah. so talk to me about your cars man talk to me about your cars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah man so you've I you mean, and sung I, i've seen that you did you both do the driving gratitude with haggerty together uh, not together. He he was one of so they asked me to pick three people in my community that I wanted to spotlight, and and oh, uh, nice. Shahar was one of those people. You know, basically because of the stuff we talked about today. You know, I thought yeah, yeah. It'd be a cool story, and the carrot is the Fast and Furious cars, and then you know, behind it is something different. So you know, mm. yeah, okay. but Shahar did go to San Francisco with me. We went to the nine fourteen rally, and we drove. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, we drove Billy Bob, the 74914 with that V8, and then uh, and then Shahar and another buddy, Brendan, drove uh, that uh, um, Alfa Romeo, the Montreal. Oh, yeah, beautiful thing. So we got to do a little guy's trip, you know, doing, yeah. doing all of it. It was a good, good stress reliever. It was kind of cool because... I'm like the worst planner. It was good is that Shahar's <laughs> in construction and he likes to plan. 
he likes stupid stuff like you know like where are we gonna sleep tonight I'm like, i don't know yeah exactly he's an excel spreadsheet guy i'm go i'm gonna just go with the wind man we might not even get to the hotel what if we get a flat tire man come on i get there he's, man he's, yeah so alex he's he's just go with the wing and the only thing i ask is where are we gonna sleep tonight let's just have a place set up and the way it ended up is song was like hey i see a motel six over here that's that's a cool place it's just crash over there sure and then we come into we come in we come in over and and we're like we're 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 checking in and then we're like the the security guy is like are you guys gonna leave those cars over here you sure because you're gonna get someone breaking into your car at night for sure you sure you want to leave those cars over here yeah we're checking <laughs> so, so alex we're checking in Right. And I and then they were they were in line with me. So then they were still, you know, processing and then the security guards outside. And, and I started recognizing this area because there's this airport. There's a small airport near this this motel. And I think it's excuse me. It's near Oakland. And this part of, the, of, of San Francisco is not the best uh, neighborhood. Right. And. But it's, it was late at night. I think it was like 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So, Wow, yeah, we, we drove yeah, for like seven hours. Yeah, we're beat, and we just want to park the car and go to sleep and wake up in the morning. Just a few hours later, because I think it started at 6.30. So we only, we, we only needed a couple of hours to crash. And we needed to drive another hour to get to where we're going. And so we go to this motel, and they're checking in and I'm outside and the security guard looks suspect, you know, he has his hands in his pocket and I'm like, Hey, Hey bro. Hey, uh, it's okay to leave the cars here. And he's like, uh, I won't do that. And I'm like, what? I'm like, uh, are you the security? Right. And he goes, yeah, but you know, I can watch the car, but if someone comes to take it, I, I can't do anything about it. And he's like, I'm only one he goes, person. Yeah. And he goes, do you know where you are? And I was like, yeah, I know where I am. He's like, no, no, no. This is not a good neighborhood, man. There's like prostitutes and drug dealers. <laughs> and there's a bunch of druggies everywhere. And I'm like, uh, but your job is to watch the cars. And he goes, hey, man, I watch it from over there. But if, you know, I'm not going to stop them, dude. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, what? And he goes, by the way, it's my last night tonight. I started tonight. I'm not, I'm not coming back tomorrow anyway. <laughs> what is going on here and then i go inside and I'm, I'm telling the guys like hey i think we gotta leave and i tell the lady that's checking us in i go hey your security guard told us we shouldn't stay here and like the cars are not safe and she's like he told you that and i go yeah and i go is it true and she's like well i'm inside i don't know and i'm like well, this is a, what we're not staying here I go, refund i said let's just get the refund <laughs> And then there was a line of people behind us, like these truckers trying to check in. And so we, we checked, we, we got our money back and we just took off, man. We drove another hour, went to a, a nicer place, but there was no parking. So then we actually drove to the location where the meet was going to be. And it was still a Motel 6. But <laughs> all the other 914s were there. So we, we went to sleep. So we checked out. Uh, that cool. was the story. Yeah. yeah. So we should plan. You know, we should plan <laughs> next time, but... I didn't, I didn't say play everything. I just say where are we going to sleep? That's it. <laughs> it's no fun to plan. You know, I mean, if look, if I have to travel with my wife and there's ladies present, I get it. You know, you, you need to respect that. But, yeah. look, man, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need anything. I just need some food, bathroom. I don't even need a bathroom. I just need, <laughs> I just need a bucket. I just need a tree. I need a tree. That's all I need. That's a tree and a good sized leaf. That's it. Yeah. Thick leaf. I'll do. It's all we need. No, but it was it was a good drive. We we stopped on the way in a in a in a great uh, steakhouse. We we got to meet a bunch of crazy nice uh, nine fourteen uh, enthusiasts over there, um, and it was just. Flowing, you know, it's like mm -hmm. uh, like Sang said, uh, go with the flow. Uh, you know, nothing was really really planned during the day. Um, we got we got invited to one of the guys, uh, one of the local guys' shop, and showed us his uh, handmade uh, 914 that he's building. Really nice guy. 
we had some beers over there and some uh, and some some pizza. It, it was just fun, you know. Yeah, that guy that in, the guy that invited us to it was actually his house. He had a garage in the back of his house that he built out, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's been working on this 914 masterpiece. I mean, it is a masterpiece. And he's self-taught. He's taught himself how to weld and fabricate. And I mean, he's creating like, you know, space level stuff, right? Spaceship level stuff. And, uh, um, and I kind of, you know, what I got, I, it was great because I walked away with something, you know, a great lesson from that evening because I don't know if Shar knows this, but some other the folks shared with me that, you know, he had, been battling cancer and mm-hmm. you know his you know, mortality has been questioned and so he had to retire and he can't go outside because the sun cut you know would you know i, I guess we only walked at night yeah and so wow. he had to create his sanctuary and his legacy is this 914 and it's crazy yeah. that the car doesn't matter it might never even get done because it's like mm-hmm. a ridiculous car that I don't even know what you would drive it, where you would drive it. But the people that come together, and the men that and and women, the men and women that came together that night to support him, to mm-hmm. go and and listen to his stories and to to celebrate his innovation and to talk about what he had learned and what he had changed on the car, I could see in his eyes like a kid, like having purpose again, having a community. Right, and I was like, ah, oh, this is what cars are for this is what it's about because he might never be able to even drive the car right and at the end of the day it's just a bunch of metal you know and aluminum Mm -hmm. and and plastic but that evening bringing people together that was a special evening because i would have never hung out with these people like we're from all different walks of life but the thing that brought us together was just this passion over an obsolete you know underdog 914 porsche and you get to meet these people like that I'm going, what's the difference between that and the Egyptians that made temples because they wanted to live on? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of man's way to fight, you know, mortality, if you will, you know, if you, in a way. And it's his legacy. Like he put his, you could see he put his blood and his soul, like it's all in, man. That's, I don't think that was passion. That was obsession. Stuff, yeah. That was obsession. You know, it was like, and the, that that borderline of like, whoa, this is a little too much, but I get it. You can't go outside. You're wondering when the last day is going to happen, and you can't go to work. Your social circle's done, and now COVID happens. You know, it's the yeah. perfect place to put all of that negative energy and build something. Yeah. And then all these people get together that day. It was like a it was like a a, a church, you know, like a a gathering like place. a shrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it was it was cool, man. It was really cool. Oh. It's amazing how a number yeah. of objects can do that, isn't it? Yeah. And cool. the next day we went to the Z car garage. That was cool. So we got to drive his car and that yeah. soup place, that sketchy soup place after that also. <laughs> yeah, we got we got I to like go sketchy to... places, don't you? <laughs> I do. I like I like to I like holding the wall everything because the cool thing is that either it's gonna be horrible or gonna be amazing. So it's a 50-50 chance, right? And if you it's amazing, then you get then it's special because in your upper sleeve, you got all these cool yeah. places to take people, yeah. right? And if yeah. it's horrible, I can just blame sound on it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was out of a movie. That waiter was out of a movie, man. It's like we were asking for water the whole lunch. I don't think we ever got water. We never got water. We never got we got the food, we got the bill, but we never got the water. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like, it's like a one kid. He's 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 the only waiter in the restaurant. It clearly shows that he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And he's like, "We're the only one in the in the restaurant. You know, there's nobody else. And can we get water?" And he keeps going back to the bar, and the water is like next to him. And he's like, "Ah, ah, ah. He's like, oh, he doesn't know, he doesn't know what to do. And we water? Okay, we get I the water. Walk, I, I walk yeah. to him and I'm like, the water is over here. Let me just grab it. I, yeah. I ask you for what's going on. And yeah. then and then Sang went over there and his mom just came in and his and Sang was all pissed and his mom and the kid wouldn't understand, but his mom did and his mom show, saw <laughs> Sang and he's like, I'll get you water right now. You know, so we got the water with the bill. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got. It was delicious water, but yeah, I felt his pain. I felt his pain. That's like he was dressed to go hang out with his buddies, and this is a restaurant, yeah. and like he was, he looked like a customer that was coming to pick up something to go right carry out. He did not, yeah. you know, and I, I feel his pain, but I, I also, you know, it's like I wanted to smack that kid, man. Like if I was his older brother, I would have <laughs> drug him outside. I would have, I would have poured water in his throat, down his throat. <laughs> going, when they ask for water, this is what they want. It's that simple, man. You don't even have to give it to them. You can just place it there and go, this is where the water, it's an Asian restaurant. People don't care. People are not expecting service. You can just have a sign. You can misspell it. You can just put H2O with an arrow with cups <laughs> and a faucet. Go grab it. <laughs> That's all you got to do, man. Right? Self-serve. Just grab it. <laughs> you could charge for it. You could be a quarter a cup. People will still go get it themselves. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the one moment in my life I got to appreciate water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. 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 We still got to uh, leave a tip. Yeah. All right. Please. I think we got to go soon, but anything else? Uh, Alex, um, you want yeah, to just, about? Before we go, I've got a couple of questions from, from the punters on Facebook who are loving the cars, by the way. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me get some good questions. Uh, Oh, a lot of people saying Gala 12 or Gala 24. <laughs> um, Gotta be 24, man. Gotta be 24. <laughs> Didn't know pizza places makes engines. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this guy is actually in LA. I, I've, I've talked to him also. He's a cool dude. <laughs> really? Eight pages really? Dan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So it, many, it's amazing so it's amazing how such a small part of the movie would be so recognized with gal 12 or gal 24 it's amazing you know it's, it's, it's just such an iconic line uh a lot of a lot of how much should it cost i don't know ask you how much it costs uh come on come on let's get some good questions a lot of what people people are asking how much it costs i don't want to ask you how much your cars cost that's your business um Okay, okay. I mean, um, I, can, I can give you a general idea, but yeah. Go on, go on. A general idea. I mean, for a general idea, you've got to understand these cars. If you're going into being a replica builder, uh, I, would, I would first uh, suggest to get the wheels before you get the cars because the car is easy to get. Um, those uh, okay. cars... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Those, those cars, um, I mean, the Eclipse, it's a $500 car, but there's almost another 30000 into it. I think if you do it right and if you manage the build and if you do your Excel sheet with all the parts and sourcing the parts before you got the car, um, you can get this project within twenty dollars to $30,000. Um, I've, I've, I've seen replica builders that got to $70,000 after version three of the car, and that's the first mistake everybody's doing. Uh, they're getting the car and they're doing it as they go. And I do it also, and I understand it because you have the passion and you want to drive that car so much. So you get the car and you, you start enjoying it and just keeps you, keeps you motivated all the time. We're just continuing the build. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to do the green eclipse, I think you, you got to put aside a budget of twenty dollars to $30,000 easy. Um, I would highly recommend to get the parts first, at least the main parts, uh, which would be the wheels, the body kit, the wing. Um, and yeah, the decals are available with Mono Image, um, the roof scoop, the stuff that are hard to find. For me, I painted the car before I did the roof scoop. That's why the roof scoop is still not on because in order to do the roof scoop, I have to probably repaint the whole car because I would have to do the whole roof line and then it would not match the rest of the car. Um, that's why it's still not on. The RX-7, mm. obviously, it's a more complex car. Um, mm. The body kit is welded into the body. There's a lot of fiberglass work uh, to be done. The wheels are even more rare than the green Eclipse. The car, to begin with, is a twenty dollars to $25,000 car. With, an R with, with, the, with the Mitsubishi, yeah, 
go 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 buy a junkyard car for 500 bucks it's all out there it's all easy to find the rx7 if you get a car um if you get a car that's uh in the wrong color like if it's going to be a black car and you're going to do it red it's extra war if you're going to get a car that the rotary um is not 100 percent over there you're doomed like me um <laughs> if you you need you need to start with a twenty five thousand dollar car, and again, it's another. It's it's like the eclipse. It's another twenty thousand or thirty thousand dollars to put into it uh, with aftermarket mm. parts. So sure, sure. People see those cars and they're like, "Oh, an eclipse? That's a five hundred dollar car. I can do that too." But what what about the rest of it? There's so much. It, there's so much behind it uh, mm. that you wouldn't see. Um, the main car that I did recently that was on the less expensive side was the Fast and Furious one black heist Honda Civic. So yeah, I got yeah, a really yeah. nice, I got a really nice used black car, which was a shortcut because the paint was already great on it. Um, the body kit is still available from VIS. It's a $1,500 body kit. Uh, the car was like 4000 bucks. The wheels, I got lucky. I got the wheels with the car. But if you get the wheels for another 1000 or $2,000, you are good. And that can easily be a, an under $10,000 uh, replica build. So if you're looking on doing a nice, clean car um, from Fast and Furious 1, I think the Honda Civic would be a nice project. If you manage it right, you can be under $10,000. Um, it's a car I built for a good friend of mine, uh, Rich. He's a Vin Diesel lookalike, and it's like the perfect <laughs> match. The, per the perfect match, you know, to have him with this car. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much some numbers on those cars. Nice. There's a, nice. there's a, there's three questions that came in from uh, his name is Joe. And Joe. first question was. Do you park your cars outside? Yes. And then the second I'm... question was, what time do you usually go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Third question is, what security camera system do you use? Okay. <laughs> no, no answers. <laughs> I don't sleep. <laughs> oh, okay. You don't need cameras if you don't sleep. Joe, he does not sleep. All my cars, I, I, I honestly don't have a garage. All my cars are parked in uh, my driveway. I have a huge canopy and, car, and good car covers. Um, I do have my security cameras on them. My two daily drivers are blocking the cars every night. And all the cars are parked with no steering wheels oh yes so, of course luckily. yeah you can't tell yeah, people hey you can't give all this information man. <laughs> yeah. jeez what steering wheel do you take out what hub, <laughs> what quick so, release company is that do you <laughs> <laughs> so you say is your car's a byrs it's bring your own steering wheel yeah there you go yeah. well, sorted <laughs> just, just got to get around the daily drivers and the cameras all right the start <laughs> Just need a steering wheel and uh, to know how to daily drive a stick shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh <laughs> right. man, well, thanks so much for for giving us your story. It's been it's been great, and I love seeing the cars and hearing you know your love for the Fast and Furious and how it's changed your life. It's been it's been enlightening actually. It really has. So thank you very much for for thank for you guys for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to share. I mean, well, such thank a you guys. Such yeah. a pleasure. <laughs> Uh, I've got to do uh, actually where can people find you on Instagram and you've got a YouTube channel give them everything <laughs> so my Instagram would be the vipers guy the vipers guy um, it mainly started because I had two vipers when I moved over here um, I bought me and my wife to matching vipers and nice. my, my my YouTube channel is just my name uh, Shahar Sean Ogazi uh, there's not much to it right now but I'm working on it you can always find me in a local cars and coffee around LA because I live in LA and I try to get the cars out, all of them out every weekend. I try to get each one of them out. 
Um, and yeah, the Vipers guy on Instagram. Cool. Yeah, go and uh, go and follow because you've got some great stuff. You've got a lot of great photos, and it's good. Um, I've now got to do our pluggy bit, which I always hate doing. Uh, find us on songsgarage.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Songs Garage. Subscribe to the Songs Garage podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Player FM, and more! Exclamation mark. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Songs Garage and make sure to hit that notification bell. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. It's been great to have you on.